Good evening, everyone, and uh, I'm glad to see all of you here in our Wednesday midweek service. And uh, I want to also welcome uh, Alberto, uh, who's with us for the very first time today, and want to welcome you uh, to our services. If you have your Bibles, and we're going to be looking at uh, John chapter 3 today. John chapter 3, and uh, to kick off, we're going to be reading verses 26 to 31. And as uh, Brother Irwin mentioned many times, please be in pa- uh, prayer for our pastor. He's going to be, be preaching even right now. Uh, in Southern California for Pastor Tim Rasmussen, and uh, you'll be preaching there tonight as well as tomorrow, and then I believe he flies back tomorrow night, and so please uh, be in prayer for Pastor, and then on Friday, I want to encourage all of you, if you can, uh, to be here for, uh, we're hosting a funeral uh, for um, a man that uh, used to uh, attend our church uh, for a little bit, uh, Brother Howard Kerr, and uh, during the time that he attended, he God actually used him, and he was very instrumental in helping uh, our church uh, in terms of uh, getting some of the approvals uh, for these two new buildings that were built. And uh, so we have a privilege uh, to be able to host uh, his funeral. Uh, He passed away last week and uh, his son and daughter asked us if we could uh, uh, and asked pastor if he could conduct his funeral. And uh, they're expecting about 150 to 200 uh, guests uh, to be in attendance. So it'll be a good opportunity for us uh, to be a good testimony as well as an opportunity to share the gospel. And so, if nothing else, if you could be in prayer for pastor and for our church, uh, that souls would be saved on Friday morning, uh, and then also uh, that uh, we would be a blessing uh, to the Kerr family. So that's on Friday. I believe the viewing starts at 10.30 here in the Heritage Center, and then the uh, memorial service starts at 11 o'clock. All right, John chapter 3, verses 26 to 31. How many are glad that you're here at church tonight? Say amen. Amen. All right. John chapter 3, verses 26 to 31. Follow with me uh, silently as I uh, read these verses. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening that we could gather together, uh, Lord, on this uh, first uh, Wednesday night uh, service at our church. And uh, Father, thank you, Lord, uh, as we come before you. We first want to be careful in, uh, Lord, how we approach, uh, Lord, the throne of God and, uh, Lord, meeting uh, with the holy God. And, uh, Father, we pray that uh, you'll help us, uh, Lord, to be empty of selves and uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And to Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your abundant mercy and grace. And Father, tonight, as your people, uh, Lord, want to desperately hear uh, from you tonight. And that's why the main reason why they're here, uh, Lord, to worship you and to hear from you. I pray, Father, indeed, that you help me to hide behind the cross, as uh, Brother Irwin prayed. And that tonight, Lord, that they would, uh, Lord, see the beauty of the Lord behind these scriptures. And the uh, Lord, that uh, your word's being preached. And so, Father, we pray that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit and fill all, every soul here with the Holy Spirit of God so they could glean the wonderful truths and to be able to, uh, Lord, uh, reach higher ground as a result of our attendance 
uh, in your house tonight. And so, Father, we uh, pray that you'll bless the service as well as the service that pastors in uh, at uh, Pastor Rasmussen's church, and then you use him mightily to be a blessing uh, to that congregation there. We ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, in life, um, all of us has hit ceilings. And when I say hit ceilings, I'm not talking about physical ceilings because I don't think any of us here uh, are over seven feet tall and don't have the issues of hitting and running into ceilings. But I'm talking about figurative ceilings. Uh, we've hit a ceiling when we're unable to advance or grow in a particular area uh, or talent or skill set, even though we know that there's a lot more room or opportunity uh, to advance or to grow. Perhaps at work, some of us feel we've hit a ceiling uh, when advancing uh, in our or climbing that corporate route ladder seems out of our control or we feel we have to wait for some people to uh, retire uh, that's above us uh, before we could advance. And that's why we've hit a ceiling. In sports, perhaps, uh, you hit a ceiling, uh, perhaps playing at some sport at school or recreationally. Um, I know and some of you might argue that uh, table tennis is a sport, uh, but it's neither here or there. But uh, recently, I've not recently, in the past uh, couple of years, I hit a, a ceiling uh, with my table tennis uh, skill set. Um, when the, our children and my boys were young, uh, we had a tennis uh, table in our garage, and we still do. And uh, we started playing with them. Uh, when we were young, and especially with my son, uh, oldest son, Josh, we, we played. And uh, when we started off, um, you know, I, I beat him in every game and, uh, because, uh, um, because he was just starting off. And uh, he, um, uh, because of my competitiveness, uh, I don't think in the first uh, year or two, um, I let Josh win not even one game. And uh, you could say I was helping him build character. Uh, but... Uh, over the years, um, hit my skills uh, has plateaued and hit a ceiling, while his skills uh, have continued to rise. And now, in the past couple of years, um, he's teaching me character. And uh, I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm, I haven't been uh, uh, that good of a learner. In fact, I haven't played as much because every time I, I, I play him, uh, even if he eases up on me, I can't beat him uh, because I've hit a ceiling. So whether we're talking about sports or in business or in education, uh, I'm sure all of us have hit ceilings before. Well, I'm sure that uh, spiritually speaking, unfortunately, I think if you've been a Christian or been saved uh, for a while, you could admit that uh, you've hit uh, a spiritual ceiling, uh, maybe one or maybe even two. In fact, if you've been a Christian for quite a long time, uh, I'm sure you've hit multiple ceilings uh, in the course of your Christian life. Uh, periods where months or even a year where you haven't grown in the Lord. And tonight I'm not talking about backsliding or not attending church, but in your heart of hearts, even though you've been faithful to church, you've been serving in ministry, you know in your heart you haven't grown spiritually from the previous year. Uh, your faith hasn't stretched, and, uh, or perhaps maybe you're still dealing with some of the habitual sins uh, or bad habits uh, and haven't been able to uh, completely confess and to repent uh, from them. You know, I must admit, over the course of my Christian life, I've hit uh, multiple Christian ceilings uh, before. Ceilings of conquering sins like a short temper or laziness or disobedience to the Lord, or ceilings uh, of uh, my Bible reading or my prayer life or ceilings uh, in my soul winning. 
Um, you know, how many of you, without raising your hand, how many of you know what I'm talking about when we hit a spiritual ceiling? Well, tonight, uh, from our verse, particularly from our uh, verse in John chapter 3, verse 30, and using that as a springboard, you know, I want to give us some biblical principles uh, in terms of some biblical actions and what we need to take when we hit a spiritual ceiling. Because, you know, in the Christian life, God wants us to grow, wants us to advance. And uh, it's no fun. Um, you know, it was no fun when, uh, when, when I play table tennis now with my son because I hit a ceiling. But in the Christian life, even more, um, there's no joy you know, when, uh, you're just, when we're just coasting uh, in the Christian life. You might be, again, faithful in coming to church. You might be still serving in a ministry, but you know in your heart of hearts you're just coasting. And when you're doing that and when you're just lukewarm, there is no joy uh, in, uh, in serving the Lord and, and, and being the, the man of God or woman of God that God uh, wants us to be. You know, this year's theme is very appropriate, and it says, only God. And in order to have the uh, theme in our heart, uh, only God. I think we have to take to heart what John said in John chapter 3, verse 30, when he says that Jesus, or he, God, must increase, and but I must decrease. In order to have only God uh, in our life, in every area of our spiritual life, we got to make sure that God must increase, but I must decrease. I learned um, over the course of my Christian life that's really, there's only one person or one reason to blame uh, whenever I hit a spiritual ceiling. And really, the only one person to blame is myself. You know, I'm, I'm to blame because I'm the cause of that spiritual lethargy or that lukewarmness. I'm the one uh, who gets in the way of spiritual growth because really it all comes down to there's too much of me and not enough, about God, not enough of God. Of God. And perhaps it's not letting go or because uh, I'm, I'm thinking or t caring too highly of myself or trusting in my experience uh, rather than trusting in God. You know, spiritual ceilings occur when there's too much of self and too much of pride and not of, of God. So if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to grow in 2020 um, as individuals, as family and collectively as a church, there must be only God, and in, only, in order to have only God, we got to make sure that God must increase, but we must decrease. You know, when Jesus arrived and started his earthly ministry, and before John, was, uh, uh, throw, John the Baptist was drawn, thrown into prison, um, they, um, there was a short period of time where the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of John overlapped. And when here in our passage, in our text tonight, when people pointed to John, that all people are now going to Jesus instead of John the Baptist, uh, these people were probably expecting John to be upset, right? That they're now all going to Jesus instead of John. But John's response in, John, in verse 30 is one that we must take to heart tonight if we're to continue to grow in Christ and ensure that God, only God, is involved in every facet of our being. He must decrease but I must decrease. Tonight, I want to just give you two biblical principles, in fact, two actions that we must take in 2020 to make sure that only God is in our life. Two actions that we must decrease um, that, to help us decrease so that God can increase. So in your outline tonight, we want to look at there must be a devaluation. There must be a devaluation. You know, government sometimes decides to purposely devalue their country's currency. 
Now, devaluation is not to be confused with depreciation, which occurs when um, uh, uh, due to some non-governmental activities. Now, you ask, why would a country or why would a government purposely devalue or make their currency worth less? Uh, because that doesn't make sense intuitively. Um, but devaluation um, uh, occurs, but some, sometimes uh, governments purposely devalue their currency when, when they want to combat a trade imbalance. What devaluation does is it reduces the cost of a country's exports. That means products that they ship out uh, to foreign countries uh, so that foreign countries uh, will purchase them. Uh, they reduces the cost of a country's export, rendering them, rendering them more competitive in the global market, which in turn increases the cost of imports. That's products that foreign countries are bringing into their country uh, to buy and sell. Therefore, uh, their people would uh, less likely purchase products from foreign countries, and then people from foreign countries would l more likely purchase uh, products that they export out, th th therefore thus making their economy more robust and stronger. Well, Christians that have hit a spiritual ceiling and not growing in, in knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know, we have a God imbalance. Not a trade imbalance, but a God imbalance. There's an imbalance when worshiping God at church becomes mechanical. There's an imbalance when we're skipping uh, our daily devotions with God in the morning. There's an imbalance when reading our Bible becomes just a routine, a task that we just check off our list uh, of things to do that we need to do every morning. But really, in our heart of hearts, we know that we really haven't met with God after we spent you know, a few, few minutes or 10 or 20 minutes with the Lord in the morning because we rush through uh, our morning devotion. This, this imbalance is a result uh, when we are worshiping too much of a self and not enough, not enough God. You know, we're telling God that he doesn't deserve our full and humble attention uh, during the service. We're telling God that our schedule is more important uh, than spending time uh, with him. You know, when we, whenever we spend time with the Lord, you know, we really need to meet with the Lord. Um, over this past couple of months, um, I stopped uh, asking um, my children uh, if they read their Bibles. Um, and sometimes I'm finding myself um, asking them almost every day. And I'm finding out that uh, using the term, have you read your Bible today, um, is not really the, uh, the appropriate term. And so I started to switch and I, uh, I'm starting to ask them, and instead of asking them if they uh, read their Bibles today, I've asked them, have you spent time with God? Because that's what really our daily devotions is about. It's not just about reading a Bible, right? And uh, making sure that we keep up a Bible schedule. Although I encourage you to, uh, if you haven't set a goal to read through at least the Bible once through a year, I, I highly encourage you to do so. I made that decision about uh, 13, 14 years ago, and I haven't regretted it. And I have kept up with it. And I, I, and I tell you that my uh, spiritual life has, uh, has grown since I made that commitment of uh, reading the Bible through. But sometimes um, we, we've hit a ceiling where, you know, we're just reading the Bible and, and not really having met with God. And we're just reading it because we're checking it off the list or we're afraid the pastor is going to check up on us and, and ask us if we did our devotions or, um, uh, or people that we're accountable to. But really, spending reading our Bibles is about really spending uh, time with the Lord each day. Hence, 
if we're going to be, um, if we're going to get rid of these spiritual ceilings and grow in the Lord in 2020, uh, we must, number one, make sure that there is a devaluation of self. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, uh, the Apostle Paul says, For when I am weak, then am I strong. Number one, in regards to devaluations, devaluation starts with a proper veneration. Starts with a proper veneration. The word veneration means great respect, reverence. You know, as Christians, we need to be careful we do not become like the rest of society where God is taken too lightly or nonchalantly or flippantly. You know, whether we are in the church uh, spending time with God in private or in general conversation among ourselves, God deserves our utmost fear and respect. You know, we know that a society doesn't have any respect or reverence for God. Um, they call, use the Lord's name in vain. Um, they don't have any respect uh, to God's principles and to the Bible. But unfortunately, I've seen, if we're not careful, we could let that disrespect um, uh, creep in uh, to our own personal lives and into the church itself. You know, most of us here are not going to use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, we, most of us, I'm sure all of us, don't uh, refer to God as, as the man upstairs or, 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 or uh, uh, show God any kind of that, uh, of that disrespect. But, you know, when we come to the house of God and we don't give God our utmost attention and uh, if we're starting to skip our daily devotions or when we spend time in the, uh, with God in the morning and, we, and we're thinking about our schedule and what we need to do at work or at school, um, you know, that's also a form of disrespect. Because when we meet with God, God deserves our utmost attention, deserves our utmost fear. Uh, when preacher, when pastor is behind the pulpit preaching the word of God, uh, if we're not concentrating and seeing God and finding Jesus in the passage and in the message, uh, we are not giving uh, God the proper reverence and respect uh, that he deserves. You know, when God met with the Old Testament saints, there was one common reaction. They could only hide their faces before and worshiped. Moses, when he met with God at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, it says that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. When the Lord appeared to Joshua after Joshua led the people across the Jordan River, in Joshua 5, 14, it says, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And even when the three young Hebrew children, when they were thrown into the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 23, it says, And that these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the uh, burning fiery furnace. I don't believe that uh, these three young men fell down in the fiery furnace because Nebuchadnezzar's uh, uh, army or guards uh, uh, threw, him, uh, threw them down, nor were they kneeling or, or fell down because of the heat of the furnace, because they weren't affected by it, right? But I believe they fell down because there was another person with them. And Nebuchadnezzar, that says that that person was the form of the fourth, is like the Son of God. I think that's the reason why they fell down. So you can see throughout the Bible, when people met with God face to face, when they met with God, uh, they hit their face. Uh, they couldn't look upon God because every time they looked at the Lord, they knew that he was the God above all. And when they looked at God and when they met with God, they saw his holiness. They saw his righteousness. And uh, the only reaction that they could have is that they fell down on their knees and they worship before the Lord. 
And that's what we need to get back to. God must increase. God must increase in our worship. That when we meet with him at church or by ourselves in our uh, devotions, that uh, it must be God only. Uh, it must be only God in our minds. It must be only God in our hearts. He must decrease, and we must, but we must increase. You know, after prostrating, uh, prostrating before God, most of these men uh, in Old and New Testament always followed up with the question, what would you have me to do? And that should be our reaction. That should be our response whenever we meet with the Lord uh, at church or on, when we're uh, spending time with the Lord um, in, during our daily devotions. So number one, we need to increase in our reverence and worship of God to have a proper veneration. But number two, and in order to do that, we need to have a proper valuation. We need to have a proper valuation. In order to have a proper veneration, we must have a proper valuation of ourselves. You know, I believe the main reason why our worship of God has become monotonous or stale or tedious or even mechanical, it's because that we are too much consumed with ourselves. Paul warned in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 5, that in the last days, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, but such turn away. You know, if our t time that, our, uh, that we meet with God is not the same that it was once used to, especially after we got saved and we were excited about doing our devotions and meeting with God and coming to church and hearing preaching and we can't get enough of preaching, if that has hit a spiritual ceiling, the main reason is because we haven't decreased. Uh, we've become too consumed with ourselves. And again, I'm not talking about pride or we think uh, that, uh, that we're above God, but that um, we're too consumed uh, that uh, we just go through the motions, that we can just come into here uh, to church and uh, come into the services and, and just do the normal thing and, 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 and to just uh, pretend or not pretend, but uh, to think that uh, we just come to church and we, we just could coast it or to be lukewarm. Uh, and, and we know that God hates uh, lukewarmness. And uh, it, most of that reason has to do with the fact that we're just too consumed with ourselves. That's why John the Baptist says that he must increase, but we must decrease. Um, in verse 7, it says, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. That means we could always, uh, we, there's a possibility that we could always be in the Bible. We could get good preaching, but still, because we uh, are lovers of selves and we're so consumed with ourselves, that we could be ever learning, but never realize or come uh, to the knowledge uh, of the truth. If we're ever going to get back to the kind of worship that God demands and deserves, we need to make sure there is a devaluation of ourselves. We need to be like the Bible saints, uh, how they saw themselves uh, whenever they met with God. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Or when Job uh, saw the Lord, at the end of the book of Job, verse, uh, chapter 42, verse 5, when he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore 
what did he say? I abhorred myself and repent in dust and ashes. So here, Job, who God actually went before Satan and said, who, do you know any man that is more righteous than my servant Job? Even he himself, when he saw the Lord, says, I abhor myself. Because when we, uh, decrease, when we de- uh, decrease our, devalue ourselves and realize that God is above all, as John said in uh, verse 21, he that cometh above is above all, um, and uh, that he that is of the earthly is earthly and speak of the earth, and he that cometh from the heaven is above all. Um, when we realize that God is above all, that uh, really we're nothing. It doesn't matter how much, how many years we've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how many ministries we've uh, served in. Uh, it doesn't matter what your IQ is. It doesn't matter um, if you are, um, uh, uh, how many uh, degrees you have, uh, whether it's in secular college or in Bible college. It doesn't matter how much money or what position uh, you are in society. You know, when we're before God and if we give him the reverence that he deserves, we're really nothing. We're just made of dust. Uh, we're just sinners saved by grace. And if it weren't for the mercy of a God, we wouldn't be where we're at. And so we need to have a proper uh, devaluation of selves if we're going to get back uh, to uh, increasing our worship uh, of the Lord. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so I hope that tomorrow morning when we meet with God, uh, that uh, number one, if you have uh, stopped meeting with God, that you'll make time to spend time with God, to worship the Lord. Worshiping the Lord is not just on Sundays. Uh, for the Christian, uh, it ought to be every day of the, uh, uh, of the week. Uh, but uh, that you, uh, if you stop meeting with the Lord, that you give God the respect that he deserves and, and uh, start meeting with him. And for those of you who already meet with the Lord, I hope that you'll spend some really quality time and not just rush through and, and uh, check off uh, 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 you know, a couple of verses so that you make sure you're on your Bible schedule, but that when you meet with God, uh, that the only intention, the main purpose of, of reading your Bible is to really talk to God and to meet God and to remember his holiness and his righteousness and, and, uh, and to ask God, what would you have me to do? So number one, we see a devaluation. If we're going to uh, need to uh, decrease so that God could increase, there must be a devaluation of ourselves. But number two, um, we, there must be a desecration. There must be a desecration. Jesus gave the first and greatest commandment of the law in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. It says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. You know, our love for God ought to, for God ought to grow year by year. Amen? You know, the question is, do you love Jesus more in the beginning of 2020 than in the beginning of 2019? Has your love for the Lord if you evaluate this past year, has your love for God grown? You know, sometimes our love for Jesus hits a spiritual ceiling. You know, how can you tell when your love for God is not growing or not advancing? You know, love is not just a feeling. It's always demonstrated or measured uh, by action and giving. We all know John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should not perish but have everlasting life. We know Romans 5.8 that God commendeth or showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so that's how uh, we are measured 
how you could evaluate whether your love has grown. Um, uh, it, has your love grown? If your love has grown, that means you're doing more for God. And conversely, our love for God has hit a rut when you find yourself doing the same or doing less uh, for the Lord. Uh, when you're spending less time in your Bible or spending less time in prayer, uh, when, you're spending, when you're finding yourself uh, spending less time serving the Lord or attending church services, um, when you're spending less time or no time soul winning and telling people about Jesus Christ, when you're not on fire like you once was in telling people about the Lord. John said, he must, decrease, he must increase, but I must decrease. So what, what should we do to ensure that our love for God continues to grow? Let me give you two things and we'll, we'll end uh, tonight's message. Number one, we need to eliminate idols in our lives. We must eliminate idols in our lives. Back in the days of the early church, the worship of idols was uh, prevalent by, by the heathen countries. You know, Paul addressed this uh, when he was in Athens, for example, in Acts chapter 17. In verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And then in verse 22 and verse 23, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hills and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. You know, during uh, Thanksgiving, our family had an opportunity to visit uh, the country of Taiwan, and we went to uh, particularly the city of Taipei. And one of the places that um, affected um, our family's hearts was uh, visiting one of the temples. And they have many temples uh, throughout Taipei and in Taiwan. But one of the ones that we uh, that visited was called the Longshan Temple. And uh, I believe there's a video clip that I took. And uh, if Brother Din, if you could play that. Um, but uh, it's just a 20-second clip. And, uh, but uh, when our family went there, and I believe it was just mainly me and the boys uh, because uh, Sarah was sick, so uh, she stayed back uh, that morning. My wife and, and Sarah stayed back. But uh, does the clip work? But uh, we were there just for a few moments, but uh, this is in the middle of the week, mid-morning, and you could see the scores of people that were there at the temple. Uh, initially, you saw the people underneath the tent, and they were purchasing uh, snacks and food to, to, to sacrifice. You could see that, uh, uh, that person there that was bowing. Uh, but uh, you could see that uh, here in our society that uh, idol worship is still very prevalent. And uh, I know that when, we, when I saw that, the first thing that hit me was my heart. And in fact, both my sons uh, later on uh, uh, we talked about it and how that was very oppressive but how that really affected us and stirred us uh, that these scores of people here uh, were worshiping uh, a false god. Uh, but, you know, I, I know that uh, we're talking to a Wednesday night crowd here, but besides physical idol, idols, we know that everyone in this room knows that um, idols are more than just physical idols. You know, first 21st century idols of the Christians in America is really anything or anyone that we have put above God. And that's our, our idols. Christians uh, might not have any physical idols that we worship, but if we're not careful, we can make money or material wealth, our careers, our goals, 
uh, or even our aspirations and even our family members or our friends, uh, they all, those things or those people can become our idols in our hearts if we're not careful. You know, the word desecrate means to treat a sacred place or thing with um, violent disrespect. And if we're going to make sure that God increases in our lives and that we, de we must decrease, we got to make sure we got to eliminate these idols in our lives. Um, again, these idols uh, are not physical ones, but uh, the ones that anything or anyone that we put uh, uh, above God in our hearts. And uh, so tonight, just as being stirred when you see those images of people uh, going to the temple and worshiping false gods, um, we, uh, and, and seeing unbelievers bow down and worshiping them, you know, we should likewise be as stirred when we have idols in our hearts that keeps us from growing uh, in our love for God. You know, we can't claim the theme for 2020, only God, uh, if we have any idols in our heart. We can't say in our hearts that it's only God uh, when we place uh, our careers, when we place uh, our own comfort, when we place our own goals and our aspirations uh, above the Lord's. We must desecrate and displace these idols in our hearts if we're going to uh, grow in the Lord, if we're going to grow in love and do more for God in the year 2020. You know, we got to make sure we not settle uh, for another average or mediocre year. Uh, God must increase, but I must decrease. So number one, we must eliminate idols. But number two, we need to emphasize increase. We must in emphasize increase. Can we all agree that all of us need to emphasize that God must increase in 2020? You know, in, God, in order for it to be only God in our life, God must increase in our lives, and we must decrease. And one area I think all of us um, that God needs to increase in our lives is allowing God to use us to win souls for Jesus Christ. Amen? The question is, are you a better soul winner today than you were a year ago or even five years ago? You know, in order for God to increase our soul winning and to use us to lead people to Christ, you know, we must eliminate or let go the idols in our lives that is holding us back from fulfilling the Great Commission. Vance Havner said, I heard a missionary say with telling effect that we have no right to give money and send missionaries to foreign lands to preach a gospel which will cause commotion, divide homes, bring ostracism, suffering, and even death if we are not willing to pay a corresponding price over there. Over there, it means giving up idols, and we have no right to hold on to ours. And, um, you know, usually we don't associate idols as something that keeps us uh, from, going to, uh, from, from growing in soul winning. But towards the end of the last half of the year, uh, last year, I realized I, I myself, if I want to be honest and transparent, that I myself hit a ceiling in soul winning. Now, put it in perspective, I, I, last year, my family and I, we were, I would say, for the most part, faithful in attending organized soul winning on Saturdays. And uh, we could say we were on, uh, here at church for organized soul winning, soul winning for the majority of the Saturdays uh, there. Uh, sometimes I, I, I leave tracks at restaurants and I try to my best to witness. But I know in my... In, in my heart, if I were to be honest with myself, I could probably say in the past year, I haven't really grown uh, in the area of soul winning. Um, I didn't, 
obey the, the Lord as much as I should in terms of handing out a track and telling people about the Lord. I knew that there was many opportunities where the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, hey, give this person a track or talk to this person about the Lord or talk to a coworker or a peer about the Lord. And I, for one reason or, or another, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't obey the Lord's leading. And I knew I wasn't growing in soul winning. I wasn't becoming the soul winner that I ought to be uh, at, at this point of my life as a, uh, as a Christian. Then in early December of last year, God used an Uber driver uh, to really convict my heart. And uh, it was the first week of, uh, uh, of December, and I uh, believe it was the middle of the week. Actually, it was a Friday. And I was in Los Angeles uh, in our L.A. office, um, and uh, I was on, uh, had to catch a flight back to the Bay Area, and uh, so it was a Friday afternoon, and uh, I, 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 I left the office, and, and our office was on the 11th floor, and uh, so I, I usually catch an Uber to uh, go from my downtown office to LAX, which is about maybe a 40-minute uh, car ride at best without uh, traffic. And uh, so um, usually in downtown, it's, it takes about 5 to 10 minutes um, um, if you're lucky to uh, to get an Uber because it, it's it's hard to get around downtown LA. Um, so right when uh, before I got downstairs, I made sure I, um, I ordered the Uber. And uh, to my surprise, uh, once when I pressed confirmed, they were able to find a, a car for me. And I looked down at the map and the car was half a block away. And uh, so I started panicking and I said, okay, elevator, you better come now. And, and uh, once I reached downstairs, I I sprinted towards the exit, and uh, the car was already waiting for me uh, in the front. And I said, oh, well, praise the Lord, I don't have to wait. And uh, so I hopped in the car, and I opened the door, and I said, hi, I'm Denny, like uh, what you're supposed to as, a, uh, as you do the Uber ride and make sure you're the right person. And I hopped in, and I said, wow, you know, I can't believe you were right there. Everything just worked out. And the driver says, yeah, praise the Lord. And I said, oh. And uh, before I had a chance to look up and ask him if he was a Christian, he said, uh, hey, Denny, um, you know that Jesus loves you and that he has uh, a God's will for you uh, in your life. And I said, wow, praise the Lord. And I said, um, yeah, I, yes, I know Jesus loves me. And over the next uh, few minutes, I, I, I shared testimony. I think he was trying to find out if I was really saved or not. And uh, I, I wanted to make sure that we were on the same grounds in terms of salvation and just trusting in Jesus Christ as a personal savior. But uh, after a, a minute of that, um, you know, we really rejoiced that we were both Christians and, and uh, he was sharing with me uh, that, uh, you know, he started driving uh, for Uber uh, for about two years. And uh, he shared with me that, uh, that every time he, he, uh, a rider comes in, uh, he makes it a point uh, to, uh, got, to let God use him to try to share the gospel with every passenger that comes into his car and when he told me that um, first I looked in because the the Uber app tells you how many passengers that how many rides that he's given and it was over 2,500 over 2,600 rides and uh, first thing that that did to me was it made me look, look this small and then he said, yeah, Denny, I, I've uh, tried to do my best in trying to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And so whenever someone comes into my uh, car, I, I try to witness to them. 
And uh, I said, how many people have you led to Christ? And he said, well, I've lost count, but it's probably in the high 20s or, or, or low 30s within the last two years that uh, I've led people, that God has given me the privilege um, to lead to Christ right there where you're sitting, Denny. Uh, they accepted Christ as their personal savior. And besides that, God, I found out that God has, um, God has uh, uh, you know, if they didn't get saved, I, I could tell you scores of people that, uh, um, you know, that, that maybe they were, um, that they were uh, backsliding or they fell uh, out of fellowship with the Lord. And after, um, you know, our ride or, you know, after I've given them a ride, they, they tell me that, hey, I, I need to get back to church um, or, they, or I invite them to his church and, and they would come out. And uh, really, throughout that conversation, God was just convicting my heart. And I was telling God, yes, I know, I know, I, I, I'm this little now. You're using this man to convict my heart uh, of what, what I needed to do. And uh, during the conversation, I was just curious. And uh, I looked at his rating, approval rating. And so if those of you who don't uh, use Lyft or, or, um, uh, or, or Lyft or Uber, um, the driver, in fact, the user, I have a user rating as well as a passenger, but the driver has a user rating and it has five stars. So I was curious uh, to see what his user rating was. And I was surprised that out of five stars, he still had a user rating or a, a rating of 4.83. And I said, wow, your, your, your rating is still pretty good, even though you witness to everyone. And he said, uh, yeah, for the most part, you'd be surprised. At first, I thought that, you know, people uh, would be giving me a lot uh, of bad ratings. For, but for the most part, I think people are appreciative that I'm concerned about their souls. And uh, he's just a very gentle, very kind, and very humble man, okay? And, uh, but he said, you'll be surprised that most people are appreciative um, that you share the gospel with them or at least you're concerned about their souls. He said, Danny, I, you know, sometimes, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I could share with you, I got a, a lot of one-star ratings. People who hop in the car when I share with them that Jesus loves me, and they immediately said, no, I don't want your religions, just take me from point A to point B, and you know, I, I don't push it down their throat, I'll, I'll, I'll just either change the topic or, or I, I, I just be quiet. And uh, I've gotten some nasty um, comments that I could show you where people um, given me one stars and left me bad comments. But he said, for the most part, you know, people, you know, don't mind uh, that you share the gospel uh, uh, with them. And uh, so really God used that experience in, in, in that first week of December to really convicted me um, that, uh, that I need to grow in the Lord, that I'm not growing uh, in the area of soul winning. And I figured out really through this man, his name was pa is Pablo, and uh, he's from Argentina, and he has a Spanish accent. And, uh, but uh, he, he um, that uh, I figure out why I haven't been growing in soul winning. And really the main reason why I haven't grown in soul winning is because I've been holding to the idol of self. I think most of us, if not all of us, have a genuine concern about souls die, dying and going to hell. Now, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, the Wednesday night crowd, right? You're here at church on a midweek service, right? And I think all of us, most of us, if not all of us, have a genuine concern about souls. Am I right? I think you don't want people to die and go to hell. And I think you weep for souls and you pray for souls. Uh, but um, so it's not a matter of uh, not us having a concern. 
But we don't witness as often as we should, not because we don't want people to go to heaven, or if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we give this reason um, externally, uh, but the reason why we're not giving the gospel is not really because we're not experienced enough, okay? Even though sometimes we use that excuse. But I know it's for me, it's because the main reason why we're hold back in becoming the soul winners that God wants us to be, and I know especially for me this past year, was because I've been holding to the idol of self. And what do I mean by that? Well, all of us like to be liked. You know, we want followers, right? If you have an Instagram, you want to have as much followers as you want, right? I have a burner account, and I don't have much except my three family members, okay, that has an account. Uh, but, you know, we want followers. We want good ratings. We want great comments, right? Conversely, we hate to be disliked or to have people talk bad about us. We don't want anything negative. We don't want people to think that we're weird or unusual. When we witness, we don't want negative comments. We don't want doors to be slammed in our face. We don't want when we hand a track to a stranger to be thrown back at us and, or maybe thrown in the ground and, and them leaving in frustration. Um, when, when we want to talk to, with our coworkers, uh, um, you know, we, we don't want to make sure that uh, we still, you know, um, uh, go off in even ground. And, and even we make the excuse when you become a manager, as I have, that we make the excuse as, oh, I, I don't want to be sued, right, because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, sharing, uh, sharing religion or sharing the gospel and talking about God uh, with people at work. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked, and it's natural for us uh, to um, not want to upset people. And in fact, in Romans 12, 18, uh, it says, that if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peacefully with all men, right? But here's the catch. When we covet our comfort or our reputation or what we th um, uh, want people to think of us, if we're concerned about that and our comfort, more, and we put that ahead of God's commandment to go ye into all the world and to preach to every creature, preach the gospel to every creature, then we're holding to the idol of self. And that's where it must, he must increase, but we must decrease. You know, when we are more careful about, when we value self more than the Savior, when we value acceptance more than accountability, when we value comfort over conversations, or we value safety uh, more or security more than salvation, when we value popularity more than people's souls, then we are holding on to ourselves, the idol of selves. And, uh, you know, the reason why I checked Pablo's uh, Uber rating is because um, early on, maybe about four or five years ago when I started using Uber, and uh, I, I, I was a witness. And I started to witness it uh, to, I start up, uh, you know, back in the early days of Uber, when you hop in, everybody's talking to each other because they didn't set any etiquette, right? And so everybody loves to talk to each other. And I was curious about why they got into Uber driving and driving for Uber and things like that. And we always strike up a conversation and God is always leading me to talk to them and have an opening to share the gospel with them. I wasn't as bold as Pablo that says, Jesus, do you know that Jesus loves you and he has a will for your life? But I, I try to, as much as possible, try to give them the gospel. But I noticed after the first few times that I've been witnessing them that I've been getting bad ratings, right? Uh, that I was talking religion. And because of that, right, I actually stopped 
all right, being a witness uh, whenever I hopped into an Uber. And see, when we put ourselves and our comfort level above um, obeying God's commandment and God's desire for us to witness to every creature, to preach the gospel to every creature, then we're holding on to that, God, to that idol of self. And God's instruction and God's admonishment for us tonight is that we need to let go of that idol. We need to, above all, uh, need to be more concerned about the soul than we are about our comfort. That we need to not worry about how they're going to respond, but, but be more concerned about where that soul is going to end up if we don't give them the gospel. See, that's how we're going to have to conquer that in order for us uh, to grow uh, in the area of soul winning. You know, I admit, I admit it's hard uh, to desecrate idols, especially when the idol is our flesh. It's not a physical idol where you could throw in the trash or smash into smithereens. But eliminating the idol of self requires that you and I must die daily, just as Paul said he had to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. It takes training and commitment. And so as a New Year's resolution, and I made this two weeks prior to turning January 1st, I said, you know what? I'm going to each day going to have to die daily. I'm going to have to get rid of daily this idol of self. Uh, I got to stop putting my own comfort and stop worrying about how people are going to respond to me when I give them a track or when I give the gospel. I need to stop that so that I could be a witness for Jesus Christ. And I said, beginning of the January 1st, I'm going to try to set a goal to at least hand a track or tell somebody about the Lord at least once a day. And then God said, why do you have to start January 1st? Why not start today? All right. And, uh, and so at the, with the best of my ability, and I hope some of my family members noticed the difference that I've started doing that over the past uh, few weeks. And I tell you that uh, just like Pablo, I haven't um, gotten sweared at or cursed at. Um, I haven't been, uh, door hasn't slammed in my face, nor have I had a track uh, thrown back uh, at, at my face. Uh, in fact, uh, January 1st, uh, when my wife and I and, and Tim were at uh, Chi Chi Chinatown in Oakland, um, there was uh, a few people uh, that were uh, lingering around in the sidewalk, uh, panhandling for money and asking for money. And I had a chance to give um, these people, um, uh, two gentlemen, um, uh, the uh, gospel tracts. And one of them I even had an opportunity to, to talk to for a little bit while my wife was at the store. And, uh, and God gave me an opportunity to leave that gentleman, Larry, to, the, to, to Christ. Um, at Lucky's, uh, Tim and I were able to invite this uh, lady and talk to her about the Lord. We found out that she was saved, uh, but uh, she, um, but, uh, she uh, uh, fell uh, because of some uh, thing that happened to her church that she used to go to. Um, uh, she hasn't been attending church, but she, when she received her check, she said, you know what, I'm going to come this Sunday uh, uh, to your church. In fact, I'm going to grab a friend and I'm going to make sure I'm going to be here on Sunday. And then on this Sunday, when I was looking out for her, she didn't come. And so Tim and I are going to go back to Lucky's and going to find her this week uh, to try to go. So again, um, you know, my, my, my rating is still pretty good. It's still at 4.83, right? And so that goes to show that uh, a lot of times we have fears and uh, we're holding to the idol of selves. And really, in reality, it, it, it's, it, it's just something that uh, we hold on that's preventing us. And really, there is no fear. In fact, the worst thing that we could do that, yeah, we might get spit on and we might get yelled at. Uh, but you know what? The gospel is given. 
right? And uh, you know, we might get persecuted, uh, but you know what? We are obeying the Lord. And so tonight, you know, in order for God to increase, we must decrease. And in order for us to decrease, there must be a devaluation. There must be a desecration, a desecration of idols. And of course, if you are here tonight, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, in order for God for uh, God in your life to increase, you must first have God. And in order to have God, you must have Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, without Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man cometh unto the Father except by me, through me. And you must have Jesus Christ. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior uh, in order for you to have God in your life and have eternal life. And I hope and trust that you haven't done so, that you would place uh, your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But the rest of us who's been a Christian, especially those of us who maybe have, uh, if you are honest with yourself tonight, have maybe hit a spiritual ceiling in one area of your li spiritual life. Maybe it's in your Bible reading. Maybe it's in your worship of God. Maybe it's in your prayer life. Maybe perhaps it's in soul winning. And you haven't been the soul winner that you know God wants you to be or grow into be. Uh, help us. We need to have that decrease. We need to have that devaluation of ourselves. We need to have a, that desecration of uh, idols in our lives, especially that idol of self and putting comfort above obeying God's commandment to go ye therefore and preach to all nations. And I'll close with this another quote from Vance Havner. It says, one wonders which, one wonders which displeases God more, idol worship I-D-O-L, worship in heathen lands or idol worship in fashionable sanctuaries, I-D-L-E. And we might not be idle in our church attendance because all of you are here on Wednesday night and uh, many of you are faithfully serving in not just one and multiple ministries, so you're not idle in that respect. But how many of us have been idle in our soul winning? Uh, perhaps... Uh, haven't uh, handed out a tract or given the gospel uh, in many, many weeks or even months or perhaps even a year. Well, the solution to that, the biblical solution to that is to make sure that he must increase, but I must decrease. Let's pray.